Welcome to College Football Live. I'm Kelsey Riggs. Let's start things off by going out the tunnel with this. All Miami had to do was take a knee and the game was theirs. But instead, chaos led to a Canes loss. And now Mario Cristobal is taking accountability. And his quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke, is talking. We've got new sound. Plus, USC's D came through when it needed to. But in triple overtime against Arizona. Should the Trojans be thinking about making changes? We discussed that. And the golden hat is in Dylan Gabriel's hands. The Oklahoma quarterback joins us for Talk to Me Tuesday after orchestrating one of the best final drives in the Red River rivalry. But now let's take a look at the college football rankings brought to you by AT&T 5G. Oklahoma and Texas are the biggest movers following the Red River rivalry. Oklahoma moves up seven. Texas down seven. Georgia out front for the 17th straight poll, the longest streak in SEC history. Welcome into College Football Live. Full house today, Desmond Howard, Greg McElroy here as they are every Tuesday. Also, Pete Thamel with us throughout the show with lots of news. And Pete, let's start with the top 25. And there are some major injuries for some of these teams. What can you tell us? Well, Kelsey, we'll start with a, a pair of Buckeyes, a star receiver, Emeka Egbuka, probably doesn't get the shine because of Marvin Harrison is his uh, co-pilot there. He left uh, Ohio State's game against Maryland in the second half. He was seen leaving the horseshoe in a boot. Uh, today, Ryan Day said that he's going to be questionable upcoming, but it, the, the, big, the big issue, Kelsey, is it's not a major injury, so it's good news from that. Will he be back for Penn State is the big question. Uh, his partner in crime, Travion Henderson, uh, will be back for Purdue this week. That, that news just broke this afternoon. Henderson missed the Maryland game, and the Buckeyes missed him. They averaged 1.9 yards per carry, uh, but he'll be back toting the rock against Purdue. Um, and we go to Johnny Wilson at Florida State. Wilson uh, is questionable on Saturday for the game against Syracuse at home. He left the second half of Florida State's game against Virginia Tech. Mike Norvell had a hint of optimism in his voice. It doesn't sound like a long-term injury, but we'll have to we'll have to see come Saturday whether he plays against the Orange. And Andrew Anthony, we found out last night, Brent Venable said Oklahoma's leading receiver will be out for the remainder of the season. Anthony has over 400 yards receiving. He's Oklahoma's best downfield threat. Drake Stoops leads them in the amount of catches. He leads them in yards and vertical threat. And we'll close it with one Big 12 update for you. I was just told Jalen Daniels for Kansas did not practice Monday. He did not practice today. He is, again, doubtful for their game at Oklahoma State this weekend. This would mark the third straight game that Daniels will potentially miss. Uh, obviously, they have veteran backup Jason Bean. Pete, thanks. We'll keep an eye on all of that. I want to dive a little bit more into Oklahoma, though, and the impact of losing Andrell Anthony. Greg, what does this Oklahoma offense need to do moving forward? Well, Kelsey, they still have plenty of firepower. And if you look at what Dylan Gabriel did this past weekend with his legs, you got to think that they're still going to be very difficult to defend. But you look at the games, you start to figure it out. Okay, in order for them to get to the Big 12 championship game, they have to win basically at least four of the next six. I think you look at the schedule, even in the absence of a go-to dynamic wide receiver in Anthony, they can beat UCF at home. I feel confident in that. I think they can beat West Virginia at home, even though I think West Virginia is very sneaky good. We know that Oklahoma State's had this one circled for a very long time, but Oklahoma State, outside of last Friday's game against Kansas State, has been remarkably inconsistent. So there's really two games that would really concern me if I'm a Sooner fan. 
One is against Kansas. If that game becomes a shootout, you absolutely have to be at full strength offensively because you might have to score 45, 48 points to beat, even with Jason Bean in the lineup at Jayhawks offense. That's super dynamic. And then I hate that road trip to BYU in the middle of November. Des, at altitude, in the cold, will this passing attack be able to take flight? That is a legitimate concern. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you uh, mentioned that, Greg, because I spoke to the OC, uh, Coach Levy, for uh, Oklahoma last week, and he had, he expressed concerns with the way they're running the ball. They want to run the ball more. They want to run the ball better, and I think they'll get to that. And We also talked about Andrell Anthony, who's the transfer from Michigan. I actually knew Anthony when he was at Michigan, and uh, Levy talked about how he was a young man who can blow the, the top off a of defense. He could stretch the field and how – they were so happy to get him and uh, the addition that he was to the offense. So they're going to miss Anthony, uh, but they do have some talented receivers. But, Greg, I'm impressed by the defense. I think the Oklahoma's defense is the, 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 the group or the side of the ball that we were most concerned with coming into the 2023 season because just how bad they played a year ago. Obviously, Brent Venables, he went shopping. Uh, he, he, he joined uh, a lot of other coaches and got guys out of the portal, got nine defenders. Six guys on the defensive line. They were able to put pressure on Quinn Ewers, bottle up the run, and they were a huge factor in the success of the Sooners in the Red River rivalry. So I think moving forward, Kelsey, I want to make sure this isn't just a one-off. You know what I mean, Greg. You have that game that you get up for. You bring your A game. You put everything into that. But is this going to be the standard moving forward for the Oklahoma Sooners, or is that just a one-off? I'm really curious to see how they play the rest of the season because they got the talent to run the table. You saw that schedule, and ESPN Analytics has them favored 89% or more to win the rest of their games, but we'll see if they are able to keep that going on both sides of the ball. On the other side of things, Des, we were just talking last week, the week before, about this Texas team and how they look like one of the most dominant teams, most complete teams in college football. Where does Texas go from here, Des? Listen, everything that Texas would like to accomplish is still in front of them. They, they have a favorable schedule. They'll be favorites in every game that they play. They'll probably see Oklahoma again. It's not like they got blown out. So I think that Texas is in a good position. They understand what it takes now to compete against Oklahoma. I think the game comes down, comes down to three turnovers, you know. So I think that everything is okay for Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas Longhorns. They just got to stay the course now, Greg. They've got to buy this week before that game on the road at Houston. They've got a couple of things to sort out, and so does Miami because it was just a meltdown and chaos in the end of this game. The Canes had it won against Georgia Tech with less than 30 seconds to go, but instead of taking a knee, they run the ball, they fumble, and they allow the Yellow Jackets to do this, come back and score the game-winning touchdown. Confusion afterwards. Mario Cristobal has been answering for it ever since. Should have taken a timeout right there at the end. Thought he could get the first down, and you know, we talked about two hands on the ball, but that's not good enough. Just should have told him to take any in. That's it. Fumbled the ball at 25, and they went 75 yards in two plays. So, no excuse. And as I stated, I made the wrong call. You know, uh, take full ownership in not taking a knee and giving them the opportunity to have a couple of extra plays and uh, preventing us from sealing the win. Like I mentioned before, I made the wrong call, and I take complete ownership for it. Again. I should have made the call to Neil, and I didn't. Like I mentioned before, I take complete ownership for it. 
Okay, so Pete Thamel back with us now as well. And, and Pete, what's the impact of this for Miami and Mario Cristobal, the decisions they make moving forward? Well, Kelsey, it reinforces a stigma that had emerged earlier in Mario Cristobal's coaching career, that he's not a great game manager at the end of games. There was obviously the 2018 Stanford game, which was there was more ambiguity at the end of this game. Uh, they could have taken a knee and they would have had to punt it with about five or six seconds remaining. So it wasn't as open and shut as this case was. And then the next year, 2019, against Auburn, there were multiple burn timeouts back-to-back -back and just general poor managing of draining the clock. And all of this, Kelsey, brings us to where Mario Cristobal is now, midway through his second season at Miami. They haven't won a league home game yet, and I think just the microscope on their progress or lack of progress is magnified going to this Carolina game this weekend. Pete, it also brings us to this point because it's not just him that's having to answer for it. His players are also being asked about it. Take a listen to this new sound on College Football Live from their quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, we had a whole leadership meeting. Um, we said we're going to put this behind us. We know who we are as a team. we got to get the young guys going as leaders and get the whole team going. So uh, we're putting that behind us. Um, yeah, that game's in the past now, now so I don't even want to talk about it. Um, we got to move on to UNC. It's a short week, so um, just got to get ready for this this game coming up on Saturday. Okay, they're ready to put it in the past. I'm not quite yet because Greg, I still don't understand it. Help me understand how did this happen, Greg McElroy? Why? Well, it's difficult to explain, Kelsey. I mean, this was a situation we had, still haven't really gotten clarity as to why it happened, how it happened, who made the call, who didn't make the call, etc. What I would say, though, in looking at the circumstances, it's a great teachable moment. Uh, you never fight for extra yards. There's a lot of teams that don't take knees, by the way. This is not unique to Mario Cristobal. This is not unique to the Miami Hurricanes. There's a lot of teams that don't take knees. They just don't want to. They want to emphasize playing for 60 minutes. It's an attitude, all these other things. But you don't fight for extra yardage. <laughs> when you fight for extra yardage, your momentum's pulling you forward. Well, the ball's getting ripped away. That's what you have to understand. It's a declared down situation, which is what you have to emphasize to your players that in this situation, don't fight for extra yards and put yourself in harm's way. So the good news is for Miami is they can still win every game on their schedule. It's still a really talented football team that had a really off night and completely gift-wrapped the game to the other team. They can look in the mirror and say, this is my fault. No one else did this. I did this. So I am still in control of my own destiny. If I can go on the road and take care of North Carolina, where I think they match up pretty well, that would go a long way to giving them some momentum before they face Clemson at home. And then obviously down the road against Florida State, will they be in Tallahassee? So a difficult gauntlet left, but still, Des, all their goals are still in front of them at the moment, even though last week was a moment that they'd all like to forget. Yeah, the beauty of college football right now is because we're at the halfway point. So a lot of these teams, they still can control their own destiny, despite having a, a, a loss or a, a terrible, ugly loss a week ago. You know, whether it's Texas last week in the Red River rivalry or Miami. But with that being said, I think that Mario, Mario Cristobal wants to hire Greg on his PR staff because that was good. I mean, what you, you almost sold me. Like, I was like, damn, you know. Greg is making sense, right? But no, 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 no. I don't give a damn how many teams do not take a knee. You have to take a knee in that situation because of that outcome. And then I watched the game, Kelsey. I saw you at the game, my, my guy EJ Manuel. And I'm watching it like, why is this guy running the ball? And I do understand that you should have two hands on the ball. You don't need to break your fall when you fall 
fall down with both hands. But how about let's just take a knee and get out, get out of here with an ugly victory that we might not have even deserved because of the way we played that night. Des, we were sitting there counting on both fingers, trying to look back, figure, wait, did we miss something? We did not. It was chaos in Miami. We'll see how they respond this week on the road against an undefeated North Carolina team. Meanwhile, the Red River rivalry star is here. Dylan Gabriel tells us what went through his mind on the game-winning drive that is ahead here on College Football Live. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back into College Football Live. An update just in on Colorado star Travis Hunter. Dion Prime said today, quote, there's a tremendous opportunity for Travis to play this week. We'll see how he practices. He needs to be an asset and not a liability conditioning-wise. Colorado hosts Stanford on Friday. Elsewhere in the Pac-12, USC nearly had its perfect season come to a screeching halt on Saturday night. They outlasted Arizona 43-41, to but it took triple overtime to do it. The 41 points were the most Arizona had scored on any opponent all season long. Caleb Williams said they wouldn't have won without their defense, but I'm curious how you guys feel because we've talked a lot about this defense throughout the year already. So, Des, is it time to make some changes on defense for USC? I believe so, Kelsey. When you look at the uh, the job that uh, Coach Grinch has done in USC uh, last year, it was like, okay, this is his first year. Um, guys are starting to, to learn the system. They don't understand the expectations. And obviously there were struggles, struggles in big games, especially against teams who, who can go out there and really match up with them well. And then you look at the, the letdown against Colorado, had, had the Buffaloes on the ropes and let them off. And, and last week, I mean, this is an Arizona team that, are you kidding me, scored over 40 points against USC's defense. I do think that there's a, 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 a time right now, Greg, for um, – for the coaching staff to really look at what's going on defensively, and they may have to start with the defensive coordinator and consider making some changes, whether it's someone else calling the defense or trying to figure out what style of defense they need to play, Greg. Well, Des, I, I'm not ever going to be in favor of making coaching changes midseason. It makes me feel like you're punting on the year, especially when I look at just how things go for this USC defense at times. And what's frustrating is the defensive coordinator is not responsible for guys tackling. He's responsible for putting them in position to make the tackle. So to be honest with you, while everyone seems to be blaming Alex Grinch, I think we need to evaluate Lincoln Riley here in this situation. I think Lincoln Riley is a great coach. But I really believe that a lot of their issues are not schematic. A lot of their issues are just purely fundamentals. So they need to go back and evaluate how they practice. How often are they practicing tackling? What do their spring practices look like? And I'll save you some time. They actually canceled spring practices towards the end of spring because they didn't feel like they had enough capable bodies. So I think they need to evaluate how they practice, how they work on the fundamentals defensively. 
before we start to throw the baby out with the bathwater, because this is a systemic issue that dates back long before his time at USC, and their personnel is not as bad as they're playing right now. They had Arizona this past week, an even tougher opponent this week with Notre Dame. We'll see how they fare and what the defense is able to do against Sam Hartman and company. This week's ultimate performance presented by BMW is Oklahoma quarterback Dylan Gabriel. He threw for nearly 300 yards in the game-winning touchdown pass over Texas with just 15 seconds left in the game. He also rushed for a career high, 113 yards and a touchdown as the Red River rivalry went to the Sooners. He is the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week, and he is here for Talk to Me Tuesday on College Football Live. Dylan you get the ball, down three, less than 30 seconds left on the clock. So what was the talk before you guys actually started that game-winning drive? Man, just just finding a way, you know. And I think at the end of the day, finding a way is, is kind of, you know, the thing we, we turn, turn to and just finding a way to win is, is the big thing we, we preach. So, um, man, it was a, a crazy experience and just happy, you know, we were able to come out with a win. You know all about finding a way because it's been a journey for you from your home in Hawaii to UCF to Oklahoma. For you personally, what did it mean to help your team win on that kind of rivalry stage? It was great. You know, it's an atmosphere you dream of playing in and, you know, just having that experience with all the guys. And after the game, it's something we'll talk to, you know, our families and kids about for the rest of our lives. So something you can't, you know, take away from, from anyone and, just blessed to be a part of it. The scene afterwards, I know, was so much fun. It was a massive win, but now also a tough loss as your top wide receiver, Andrell Anthony, is out for the rest of the year, we've just learned. What have the conversations in the building been like since you guys got the news about where you go from here? Yeah, I hate it for Andrell. He's a, a great friend of mine and someone, you know, I just think very highly of. But, you know, I know he's going to come back better and stronger, just the type of person he is. And, you know, I'm excited for the, the younger guys to step up and for their opportunity uh, that's pre present for them. So I'm excited for them. Hate it for Andrell, but he, he's a brother and he's going to be right next to us all every step of the way. So You guys have so many talented players on offense. I know you'll be able to keep it going. And I mentioned your success in the game. You finished with the third most total yards by an Oklahoma player against Texas. Some of the names that are there are pretty impressive when you look at it. Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. How's it feel to be in that kind of company in this game? Man, those are, are two great. So um, just blessed to be a part of it and you know, just the, the tradition at Oklahoma and everything it's about, it's something I'm blessed to be a part of. Before I let you go, there were some really fun pictures afterwards when you were doing your interviews and celebrating. So I got to know, where's, where's the golden hat now? Where did it end up? Shoot, I have no clue, but <laughs> I, I do know hopefully it's, it's in the facility and um, that's all that matters, you know, find a, a way to get the golden hat back, so... Somebody there has it for sure. You guys have a bye week now, and then you'll face your former team in UCF. I know that'll come with some extra emotions in that one as well. Dylan, congratulations on all the success thus far, and we can't wait to see what you guys do the rest of the season. Thank you so much. 
It's time now for your Capital One rewarding performance. Which team had the most rewarding win in week six? Well, no surprise here. Over 50,000 votes later, and you say Oklahoma and the Red River rivalry over Texas. Louisville also a close second. Don't forget, you can get your vote in at youtube.com slash at ESPN CFB. We'll have more to wrap up week six after this. Big top 10 showdown on ABC 330. Number eight, Oregon squaring off against Michael Penix Jr. And number seven, Washington game day gets things started in Seattle at 9 a.m. Let's go some fun four downs now, starting in Georgia where they wrecked Kentucky's weekend. So that prompted a pretty fun exchange with Kirby Smart (laughs) and a reporter. Take a listen. I want to go back on that wrecking ball um, that you were talking about. Like, in my head, I'm envisioning Miley Cyrus. But what are you – is it, like, an actual – I don't know who Miley Cyrus is. Like, what is it – what does she have to do with the wrecking ball? Greg, do we know Miley Cyrus? This is weird, right? Uh, unfortunately, there are – thank goodness I was in college before camera phones. But there might have been a tradition after big wins where half the <laughs> offensive line went up and sang Party in the USA. <laughs> Uh, on stage after game. So I'm, I'm just glad the camera phones were not a thing back in the early 2000s. I didn't even know that was a story. I'm glad that we got it. Meanwhile, I bet maybe Jim Harwell wishes that there weren't as many cameras for what happened when they got and picked one of their two pick sixes. Des, what do we think about the celebration that we saw from him afterwards with the team? Yeah, you know, I saw that, and, and Coach Bellamy pulled him down into the picture, and then he was like, what am I to do? I guess I got to smile now, right? <laughs> and then he went on back to coaches, so it was kind of like he was caught between the rock and the hard place because Coach Bellamy pulled him into the picture. <laughs> you got to do it in that moment. Also, Iowa State, apparently there are dinosaurs everywhere on the field, you guys. Pete, did you see this? What's, what's going out there? Well, I, uh, I'm a huge fan of this. I hope they, uh, I hope they export the dinosaurs to Cincinnati this weekend. Uh, we're a big dinosaur house now with my 19-month-old, so if Matt Campbell needs any, uh, any extra help, uh, I, can, I, can, I can pass on some books. Something else that I know that you are probably a big fan of is big text. I brought this. We brought this for you, Pete, because you had some fun this weekend. <laughs> day. Had, had a little friend my that twin. wanted to say hello. My twin. <laughs> oh, that was a funny moment, guys. It's been a good show. It was a great week six. <laughs> Cannot wait to see what week seven has in store. We will be back with you same time, same place tomorrow on College Football Live. For all of us, Pete, we'll see you next time. <laughs> Big text. Welcome to the state fair. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs>